We're going to be in John chapter 1 today. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, that's page 886. Several years ago, I took a group of teens to a camp in, in uh, north of Duluth, Minnesota. It's called Leadership Quest, was the camp that we went to. And while we were there, they, they gave us lots of different leadership principles um, so that ho- hopefully training teens so that they might be leaders in their youth groups, ultimately leaders in, in life and, and in the life of the church and in the life of the body. And they gave us lots of lots of neat things through that week. But one of the very first things that they teach you is is kind of a, a vision. And I can't even remember what all of the, the things that we were supposed to remember were, but they were it was a vision of of a hand with a with a house that sat on top of it and a ship that sat on the chimney. And we were supposed to remember all of these different things so that we could start conversations with people. And the and we were supposed to ask them what their what their name was and and then ask them about their family and their home life and where they might want to travel, which was the ship and on all of these different things, helping us to, to start conversations so that we could, could begin conversations with someone else and, and learn more about who they are, find out what's important to them, um, and not have to spend all of, all of our conversation time talking about our favorite topic, which is us. John chapter one, I think, is John's attempt to, to help us to understand those things about Jesus. Who is he? What does he, what did he come for? Where did he come from? What, what, what was his plan? What was his mission? Why, why did he come? And John spends chapter one to point us in that direction. And so we're going to look at it first, but before we look at John chapter one, I want you to flip to the back of John, to chapter 20, the second to last chapter. In chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John tells us just straight up. In fact, if you have, have section titles in your Bible, the section title for this section is The Purpose of This Book. John doesn't hide it. He doesn't beat around trying for us to figure it out. He says, here's the purpose of what I'm writing. He says it this way in verses 30 and 31 of chapter 20. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written... So that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John doesn't beat around the bush. He says, I'm writing these things. I've included what I've included in this book. I've told these exact stories so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's different. Than the other gospels. In fact, there's there's a name for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the synoptic gospels because they they have a, a much broader spectrum of Jesus's life. They have lots of the same kinds of stories. Maybe some of them are even stories that are that are word for word the same through Matthew and Mark and Luke. But John is totally different. John spends almost the majority, at least half of his book, just talking about one week of Jesus's life. He has a whole different kind of gospel. And he says, I write it this way. I write it this way, not like the orderly account that Luke talks about, not the fast-paced action book that Mark writes. I write this book so that you might know that Jesus is the Christ. 
He is the Son of God, and that you might believe and have life in his name. That's the purpose. So let's jump back to chapter 1. What we're going to do this morning, what I, what I hope to do this morning, is to just read chapter 1 together. And I'll take breaks in the midst of that, and I'll share with you some different things that, that I think we want to stand out. But what, I'm, but what we're looking for today is 11 different places in chapter 1 where, well, let me back up, 10 different places, one of them comes from Jesus, but 10 places where, where a name or a title gets put on Jesus by someone else. So we're going to look at 10 different names or titles put on Jesus in chapter 1 so that we might have a better understanding of who he is, of why he came, of what his purpose was, so that we can better understand who he is. So we're going to look at those titles. We're going to take a break once in a while to look at one of those titles and figure out exactly who Jesus might be based on the titles that are given to him. Next week then, where this is a two-part series really, next week we're going to look at some other places in the book of John where Jesus tells us who he is. So today we're going to look at titles that, that someone else gives to Jesus. Next week we're going to look through portions of John and we're going to look at titles that Jesus gives to himself and why that might be important. But today, we start in John chapter 1. John starts it this way. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. He makes just in those first six words, John tells us so much. In the beginning. I think we all know exactly what John is referencing when he says that. In the beginning. The same, the same words that the book of Genesis starts with, the entire Bible starts with, in the beginning. Jesus was there in the beginning, even before the beginning, when there was no beginning. Jesus was there. And the very first title that John puts on Jesus is not Jesus, is not Christ, is not the Son of God. The very first title that John gives to Jesus is the Word. The Word. He begins with the word. That's important. It's important that John would start it that way. This, this year in our youth group, one of the things that we've done throughout the year is, is walk through all the different books of the Bible. And in Sunday school, what we're doing as we do that is using a curriculum that, or not even a curriculum, videos that come from the Bible Project. And you've heard me talk about this before. If you've been in the youth center, you see the Bible Project posters are on the back wall of the cafe, one for every book of the Bible. And there's videos that go with those posters, and they have been so good for me as we have walked through those, those books to see the literary structure of how the writer put those books together and why he would do it in that way. And I think that's what we have to, to look at here. When we come to John and, and we know that, that the purpose of his book is so that we might know Jesus is the Christ, that we might know Jesus is the Son of God, and that we might believe in him to have life, that's the purpose of what he's writing. And he starts it like this. In the beginning was the word. Why would he do it that way? Why does he start it with the word? The word. Words are unbelievably important. Creation came from a word. God spoke and brought light and brought life. And he did it through a word. And in fact, as we read on here, John is going to tell us that 
that everything that has been made has been made through him, the word, through Jesus. He was there in the beginning, even before there was beginnings, was the word. He was there at the very beginning. God is revealed through his word. And Jesus is the fulfillment of his word. In the beginning was the word. He goes on, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And he says, there's a man who was sent from God, not talking about Jesus, but he says there was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Then he gives another name for Jesus. The true light, the true light which gives light to everyone, the true light. Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the light. Our problem after Adam and Eve brought sin into the world and into the garden is that we do not like the light. We run to the darkness and we hide in the darkness and we cover our sin and our shame in the darkness. So John makes it clear when he starts from the beginning, he says he's the word and Jesus is the true light. We have death and darkness and so John starts by telling us that we have life and we have light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And in verse 14 he says, And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt, the word dwelt here is the same as the word um, for tabernacle, which we understand from the Old Testament. Tabernacle was the, was the first tent, the first place that was built for God to come and to inhabit. The Israelite people were given those instructions from, from God through Moses to build a, a tabernacle, to build a tent, a specific kind of tent that God might dwell in. And so they do build that tent and, and God's presence is there. The, the, the pillar of fire is there. The cloud of smoke is there. And they know that God's presence is there in that tabernacle. Later, they build a temple. And the same thing happens there. God's presence is in the temple. The Israelites know it. And now John tells us that the word has become flesh and dwelt as tabernacled among us. That he's moved in. One version, one paraphrase tells us that he has moved into the neighborhood is the phrase that they use for this passage. 
Jesus has come. The word has become flesh. We hadn't seen him before. We, we knew him. We understood him. But now he's here with us in the flesh. It's grace and truth in human form we read. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. Now we see his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who marks after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This portion of John, these first 18 verses that we've read here, this is what all commentators would call the preamble to the book of John. This is the part that he just wants us to begin to understand and think about who is Jesus. So in verse 19, we switch gears a little bit. Now we jump into actually some stories that start in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Stories of, of names that as people come into contact, come into interaction with Jesus, these are some names that they put on him that reflect back to what we just learned about in the preamble. We jump right into John the Baptist, who we've already talked about this morning a little bit. Verse 19, it says, and this is the testimony of John, where the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah has said. And now they had, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you were neither the Christ nor Elijah nor a prophet, John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things all took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. I talked about this a little bit already this morning, but, but the rulers, the, the, the teachers, the Levites, they come and they say, say, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the ruler? Are you the prophet? Are you, are you the leader? And John says, no, it's not me. I'm not any of those things. It's someone else. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one. There's someone else who's coming, following me. I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. There's someone else that's coming. And then, when he sees him in verse 29, he gives us again the first title that we get for Jesus that comes from the book of John after the preamble. The first title that we get for Jesus is this. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God doesn't always come as we expect. The Levites, the teachers of the law, the ones that came to John the Baptist, they didn't ask John the Baptist if he was the lamb. That never crossed their mind. I said, are you, are you the Christ? Are you the, the prophet? Are you Elijah? 
Who are you? What great leader might you be? Because that's how it has to come. As a great leader. And John the Baptist then, when he first sees Jesus, he doesn't talk about great leadership qualities. He doesn't talk about the strength of who he is. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His first title given by someone else in the book of John is a lamb. Teachers of the law had no sense of their need for a sacrifice. They needed a leader. They needed a Christ. They needed a a ruler to come and take over. They had no sense that they needed a sacrifice. And yet that's exactly the title that Jesus is given here by John the Baptist, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. He's a lamb who who comes as a sacrifice, reminding us of the story in Passover, that the blood of the lamb rescued the children in the homes. He comes as a substitute. He comes as a satisfaction for the wrath of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John goes on to say, then in verse 30, this is he in whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. He says, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the dove Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Another title that comes from John the Baptist. This is the Son of God. John is saying throughout all of our biblical history, we have had lots of times, lots of instances, lots of moments where God's Spirit has come and descended on someone and strengthened them and helped them and used them. The Old Testament is filled with people who were, who were used as, as judges and leaders for a time, for a moment, for an instant. And God strengthened them in that moment to be something that no one else could be. And then, and then his spirit was removed from him or from that leader, that person. John the Baptist here is saying, saying there was a spirit that descended from heaven like a dove and it came and it landed on him and that spirit descended on him and it did not leave. This spirit doesn't go away. This this coming of God that rested on this man, it didn't disappear. It's different than what it was in the past. This man, this man is the son of God, he says. This man is the son of God. He's not like the prophets that came before. He's not like the judges that ruled over Israel. He's not like the kings who God used in a moment. This is the son of God. Spirit doesn't leave him. This man is the Son of God. Verse 36 then. The next day, again, John is standing with two of his disciples and he looks up and he sees Jesus walk by and he says it again. Same title. Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples, it says in verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this and they followed after Jesus. Jesus turned and he saw them following and he said to them, What are you seeking? 
And they said to him, these two disciples said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Again, another title given by the two disciples. Their title is not the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is not the Son of God. Their title is Rabbi, teacher. They see, they know that Jesus is more than just the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but He comes to to give instruction. He comes to give them to to, to give them a, a, a new plan, a new way, a new teaching. And as you read through the Gospels, especially in Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke, you read many of the teachings that Jesus would give, the parables that Jesus would give. John doesn't touch on all of those in his book. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they spend lots of time talking about the teachings where Jesus says, you've heard it said, this is the teaching you've heard. You've heard it said this, but I say, and he turns it, he twists it, he changes it. Jesus doesn't just come to die. Jesus comes to teach. And they see that in the disciples saying, Rabbi, which means teaching, teacher. Jesus' teachings Jesus' teachings changed lives. One of the Bible stories that, that I was able to share with the kids during vacation Bible school was the story of, of Mary and Martha. And the, the theme of the week had us focusing really on, on Martha and why she would, would worry and fret. But as you look at that story, you see that, that Mary, Jesus says, Mary chose the, the one thing. She chose the most important thing. To listen to the teachings of Jesus. She chose the most important thing, Jesus says to her, to Martha. That Mary chose the most important thing. Jesus' teachings are important. Verse 38, he says, What are you seeking? They say to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? They're wanting to go with him. And he says to them, Come, you will see. So they came, they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. We don't know what Jesus taught that day to those disciples. But we see in the next verse what it meant to them. One of the two who had heard John speak and then followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and he said to him, We have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah, which means Christ, John tells us. Another title put on him. Andrew, when he goes to find his brother, doesn't say, we have found the rabbi. We have found a really good teacher that has some great things for us to learn. I think you should come and learn just to hear a few of the things that he might want to teach us. That's not what Andrew says. Andrew listens to the teachings of Jesus. He's only with him for a short time. And then he goes to find his brother and he says, come, we have found the Messiah. The word found there is the same word that's used uh, in a parable that Jesus talks about when he talks about a man who who finds a, a treasure in a field and sells all that he has so that he might buy that field to, to have that treasure. That found is the same kind of word that Andrew uses here. We've searched, we've been looking, and we found it. We found the Messiah. We found the Christ. We found the one that we've been looking for. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, which, is, which means Christ. 
And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then we read, The next day, Jesus decides to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip then found Nathanael. And he says to him, We have found him. Again, found him again. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip's response, Philip's title that he puts on Jesus is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the words, everything that we've read about, everything that we know about, everything that's been promised about the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things. Paul says exactly the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 when he says, he says that all of these promises are yes in Christ. He is the fulfillment He's the fulfillment of the law of Moses and all that the prophets wrote. He is Jesus of Nazareth. And and Philip says, and he is the son of Joseph. Nathaniel, right away, says in response to Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Philip doesn't argue. Philip says, just, Come and see. Listen, here. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael says, How do you know me? How can you see inside of me? How do you know me? How can you see inside me and see that there is no deceit, that there is no guile in me? Jesus answered him, before Philip even called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus says, I see your insides. I see that you have no deceit inside of you, no guile inside of you, he says to Nathaniel. I see inside of you and I see outside. When you were under the fig tree before, before something that I, that I, that there was no way that I could physically see in this moment, something that happened probably a long time ago, a spiritual experience that Nathaniel had, Jesus is saying, I was there. I know. When you were under the fig tree that time, I was there. He sees both the inside and the outside of Nathaniel. And Nathaniel immediately responds, verse 49. He immediately responds, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Remember what Philip said when Philip came to him? He said, this is the one, this is Moses in the law, who the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathaniel meets Jesus, comes, Jesus has, has two lines for him. And Nathaniel immediately answers, Rabbi, Not you are the son of Joseph, but you are the son of God. And even more than that, he goes on to say, you are the king of Israel. Instantly, Nathaniel has gone from being the skeptic to being all in, to seeing exactly who Jesus is. You are the son of God. 
You are the king of Israel. And then, at the very end of the chapter, Jesus enters into the story. Jesus answers him and says, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, now you believe? And then he says, You will see even greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You will see the heavens open and you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now that's a pretty obscure reference, maybe. But the disciples, the teachers of the law, anyone that was familiar with the Old Testament would have immediately known in Genesis chapter 28, and you can turn there if you like, but in Genesis chapter 28 is the story of Jacob. Jacob has has stolen Esau's birthright and he's run away from home and he's now out in the countryside all by himself in the middle of the night. And in Genesis chapter 28, we hear the story of, of Jacob finally is in a place of stones and he picks up a stone, it's the middle of the night, he picks up a stone to use as a pillow to fall asleep. He's scared, he's alone, he's, he's, he's stolen his brother's birthright and he's running for his life. And he's in this place where, where he just he doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. And he lays down with a stone for a pillow. And in Genesis chapter 28, we read that he has a dream. Jacob has a dream. And it's a, it's a ladder that he sees. And at the top of the ladder is God. And, and at the bottom of the ladder is the earth. And these angels are ascending up and down. And commentators tell us that, that the dream for Jacob was that there was comfort for him help for him knowing that that the blessing that was on that was on his father and his 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 grandfather was now on him the blessing would be extended through him and that god was there and god was helping him and strengthening him and was going before him and would would put the blessing on his generation and on the succeeding generations that's the picture that's the what the disciples would have seen when they, when they heard Jesus make this comment that, that heaven opened and the angels of God were ascending and descending, except that Jesus doesn't say there's a ladder, Jacob's ladder, which angels are ascending and descending on. Jesus changes it. And he says that truly, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven open and the son of God's, the angels of God will be ascending and descending on the son of man. The last title of the chapter, the last words of the chapter, a chapter, a title that Jesus gives to himself. In fact, this is Jesus' favorite title, the one that he uses over and over throughout Scripture. He uses other titles as well, but the Son of Man is his favorite. It comes from Daniel chapter 7. It's a title that no one could would, would mistake as anything other than him calling himself the Messiah. And yet it was one of the titles that didn't have all of the baggage of King of Kings. It didn't have the, 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 the idea of people expected him to come as the Messiah, expected him to come as the ruler, expected him to come as the one who would be in charge and take over. And this title, Son of Man, says, I am all of those things that you've called me, King of Israel, Son of God, fulfillment of the prophet, the light, the word, all of those things, the Lamb of God, I am all of those things. But it's probably different than you expect. 
It's a different title than you would have chosen for me. It's a different name that you would have given to me. It's the Son of Man. And then he not only says, this is the title that he gives himself, Son of Man, but then he says, I am the ladder. I am the bridge between earth and God. I am the one who is going to bring all of those things together. There's no other way except through me. I am the ladder. God has provided a ladder and it's found in me. Next week, we're going to go through some of the passages in the book of John where where Jesus continues to do exactly this. Continues to give himself a name. In fact, Jesus does it multiple times. We're just going to look at a few where Jesus says, I am, and says a little bit more, so that people might see what his purpose is. People might see what his plan is. People might know why Jesus came. He's the way, the truth, and the life is one of those that comes from John chapter 14. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's what he's saying to the disciples here. I am the ladder that extends to God. I am the way. Find hope in me. He didn't come in the way that they might want. He didn't come in the way they might expect. But he came to give them so much more than what they knew they needed. We're going to pray this morning as we close. God, my prayer today is that you might help us to see Jesus. Not in the way that we want to, not in the way that we even expect to, not in the way that we always traditionally have, but that, God, you might help us, even in this week, as we think about what we've talked about this morning, as as we anticipate what we might look at next week, that, God, you will open our eyes so that we might see Jesus the way that you want us to see Jesus. That we might see him as our only hope. That we might see him as the ladder that bridges heaven and earth. That, God, we might see him as our lamb who came to take away the sin of the earth. That we might see him as light and life. That we might see him as the word. That we might see him as teacher. That we might see him as fulfillment of all of the prophecies, of all of the promises, that we might see him, God, as the Son of God, the King of all kings. God, open our eyes so that we might better know Jesus and all that you have revealed to us in your word. We pray this this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you this morning for coming. We'll see you next week.